my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing from centralization to decentralization. Of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Technology is the catalyst that changes the world through thousands of years of history. And of course, we have the decentralized technology of Bitcoin that is changing the world. We're going to dig into a topic. Like I said, I like to look at it from the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And today, it's really all three combined that are under attack. And I'm joined in studio by Omid Malikon, if I said that right. You can find him on Twitter at Malik Anoms. We'll put it in the show link down below. He's the author of a book called Re-Architecting Trust, which of course, if you watch my show, it's something I talk about a lot. And he's the adjunct professor at Columbia Business School as well. Omid, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I like to look at the world changing through the lens of the politics, finance, and technology. And this one issue specifically that we'll talk about today is really all three of those. It's a political method attacking um, sort of some sort of technology that kind of masquerades as a as a financial thing. And it was, you know, all of the, 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 the treasury secretary, you know, the treasury department. I mean, it's all three of those. Um, and, and it's something you've been talking about quite a bit. Um, and of course we're talking about tornado cash. Why don't you kind of frame that up for us a little bit? 
So one thing that not enough people recognize or appreciate is the fact that in crypto, full transparency is the default state, which is definitely not true with, say, the banking system, right? Like you and I do a Bitcoin transaction. We both now see each other's entire financial history, which is great from a security point of view. But then uh, if this technology and new financial system is to go mainstream, then it's not really going to work, right? Like you can't have it that every time uh, you want to make a donation to a charity or your company's paying you in crypto, now suddenly you've exposed your wallet address that has your everything, right? And I think like on a long enough timeline, it uh, your wallet will have your everything, your money, your stocks, your NFTs, maybe the deed to your house, etc. So Tornado Cash to me has actually a very innocuous use, which is to just restore a basic amount of financial privacy, which I think most people would agree is a good thing. And what was so troubling about the U.S. government adding it to uh, the sanctions list was the fact that they were not criminalizing people doing committing an actual crime, like funding North Korea or terrorists or something. They are now criminalizing the mere act of seeking financial privacy and i think the connotations for that the dangerous connotations for that move are actually much bigger than crypto uh yeah i would say that i would i would even say um maybe it's even bigger than that so the problem that we have is when we ever I, I consider Bitcoin to be a technological revolution, not a new technology. And the difference of that is a new technology is is cool. It's a it's a continuation of something. Uh, an iPhone is a new technology. We took a computer to phone, we put them together. That's cool, great. Um, a technology technological revolution is different. It's bigger. There's been five of them. Um, so industrial revolution, steam engines, railways, electricity and steel, um, oil automobiles, microprocessors, and when humans, we're not good at seeing the future. So we try to understand it from something that we already know. So like when electricity was invented, what was the first application of electricity? Well, it was a light bulb, right? So what is this electricity thing here, Omid? Oh, well, it's kind of like a digital candle. What the hell do we need that for? Candles have been light for 5,000 years, right? Um, we don't need them. We don't need all these stupid wires. We just have a candle. Well, electricity was like that, but it became so much more. And so the problem that I have is I think this is something so revolutionary. Um, all new technology has the first killer application, like the internet. The first killer application of the internet was email. That's what got everybody addicted. Um, but now we use it to like uh, have my car use AI to navigate me around traffic using social media or something, right? Like, uh, And so when we say that it's an attack, mm. it's an attack on software, and it's an attack on financial privacy, but it's really, it's, it's an attack on software, I think. Maybe, because if, if it's only financial, then that limits the, really the grasp of what software really could do, maybe. I don't know if that matters for what you're thinking. It does, actually, uh, in part because the, I like your framing of, of crypto really being a financial revolution because the idea of a revolution is it but not just everything. not just financial right sorry a a, uh, a revolution right. technological and and even application wise go bigger right? like my the book i wrote is really a book about trust because trust matters in everything that's important in life and that includes finance but it also includes something like a social media platform like you're going to go on Twitter, Facebook. How do you trust what they're showing you? How do you trust that they're not going to 
suddenly cancel you if you say something that's politically not fashionable. Right. Um, and the and the list the list goes on and on from there. So I've spent years trying to figure out how to communicate the core value proposition of crypto to people who are not technologists, they're not finance people, they're not traders, and. The one thing that I found resonates is to just tell them that this is a new and better way to build trust among communities of people. And the applications of that to me are endless, yeah. which means that if you have something like an arm of the U.S. government trying to really clamp down on it, then the limitations that they're going to impose on all the benefits are also endless. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so it's definitely trustless, right? So instead of having to trust this third-party central um, intermediary, um, now we don't have to trust anybody. But the reason why I wanted to take it like one level higher was because of really what I think the implications are. Because if you're saying, well, they're trying to take away people's right to financial privacy, which is true, but I think what they've done is, um, to the point that you made earlier, um, what they've done is they've sanctioned a software protocol, which has never been done before. So they typically would uh, sanction a person or maybe a country, but that person should have some sort of due process and should have a right to probably appeal that or something. As a matter of fact, I believe uh, on the sanctioned list, there's a link where you can actually appeal to get taken off of that list. But how does a software protocol have due process? How do they appeal that? That's a great point. They can't, which is kind of the scary part of this, right? Because once you expand the sanctionability to code and language and maybe even physical devices, then the sky's the limit, right? Like, yes, I am sure bad people have used Tornado Cash, but bad people also, also use the internet and iPhones and flashlights. So... This is one of those instances where I think the slippery slope argument is very applicable. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have laws against <laughs> doing certain things. Um, so if you commit murder, um, obviously we have a law against that. But if you drove a car on the highway to commit that murder, you don't sanction the highway. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> You don't sanction the car. We, we have cars. We have, we have highways. Um, I bet that that killer probably drank some water before he went there, too. We don't sanction the water, right? Um, the, what, what he did was illegal. And so we look at it in those terms. And so I was just trying to look at it from a bigger standpoint because what I'm afraid is like, um, what about, um, you know, signal on my phone or tour, uh, tour for my, you know, internet, right? So what it's doing is it's uh, it's... I don't even know if it's a mixing service so much, but it's a way that we can kind of like hot blend in with a bigger transactions, but that's exactly what Tor does. It blends my internet surfing together or sit, you know, um, and if you, if you start sanctioning that, that has massive implications. Yeah. And it's not just Tor. I mean, if you're talking about software and language, then yes, but like, why do we have blinds and curtains on our windows? Why do we have doors yeah. for bathrooms? It's, it's, <laughs> to me, privacy is one of the most fundamental human rights because any person you meet, it doesn't matter what their political disposition, disposition is. There are things about themselves that they don't want the world to know. 
Yeah. I love that thought. I want to I want to come back to that. I want to get back to this privacy and trust issue. We'll talk about your book. I'm in the studio with Omid Malikan. We're talking about the death of trust, something I talk a lot about. Of course, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, talking about the decentralized revolution. I'm going to be back with this conversation and more in a minute, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I'm in the studio with Omid Malikan. He's the um, author of a book called Rearchitecting Trust, adjunct professor at Columbia Business School. Let's um we, we were talking before the break about, you know, what happened and the sanctions against a software protocol, what that means. Let's just jump even back to a higher level. So before we went on the break, you were talking about 
Um, why do we have curtains on our home? <laughs> why do we have doors in our bathroom? A lot of people might say, well, if you don't have anything to hide, what do you need privacy for? And I would love to find one person like in real life that would actually say that. And then I would say, well, give me your phone. Let me, let me scroll through your phone. <laughs> like nobody would do that, right? No. Like they, they, they wouldn't do that. Um, but let's jump to a little higher level. And when you wrote the book, Rearchitecting Trust, um, how does this issue with trust and privacy, how do you see those two things kind of working together? So there's this, the interesting thing about trust is that there is a cyclicality to it. And uh, you, know, you alluded to something, I think it was uh, earlier this year at the Bitcoin conference after the, um, what happened with uh, Russian sanctions and the Canadian truckers that they don't, we're witnessing the loss of trust. And then you reach a, a point of no return where the whole thing falls apart. And I try to build out allegorically this thesis in the book that the funny thing about trust is that in the long run, it's always self-defeating. You know, the more trust people put in a person, a company, a government, an institution, then the more likely it becomes to abuse that trust in the long run. Right? And like a simple example of that is you had a guy like Bernie Madoff, who was actually considered a very clean, respected man on Wall Street. And because of that, no one bothered to double check what he was doing. Like if it was just you and me trying to do what he was doing, then probably people would have been a lot more suspicious and skeptical and not that we would do a Ponzi scheme, but we, we couldn't get away with it even if we wanted to. So history is rife with examples, and I have many of them in the book where someone does something good, becomes in a position where we trust them, and then they slowly begin to abuse that trust for the simple reason that they can. And that's why trust is always cyclical. So in the example that we're talking about, one of the reasons why the dollar is the global reserve currency, and frankly, why America is the most powerful country in the world, in many ways, the most um, desirable country in the world for people to interact with and live in, is because of trust, because our system of laws and historically our system of money was one that was predictable. There were rules. We followed our own rules, even when it harmed us. And what's been happening- We had, in recent we had a rule of law. That's the big thing that you're saying. We had a rule of law. Yes. Other nations, they seize people's stuff, whatever, there's no rule of law. We had that here. People could trust that there would be a rule of law. Yeah. And historically- Specifically, if you want to be the issuer of a global reserve currency, then having a reliable legal system is a requirement. Um, that's why, like today, China is a, one of the biggest economies in the world, the biggest country by population. Nobody uses its currency for international trade because they don't right. trust its legal system. Yep. So it's troubling with tornado and then before that what happened with russian sanctions and and i know the canadian truckers was canadian but it's actually not hard for me to imagine the same thing happening here in america is that we are starting to abuse that trust we're starting to go back on our own values of the rule of law and i think for americans like me and you this is going to have uh, negative consequences down the road what about i mean one thing that really shook me hard was um the the highest branch of government, well, the, one of the three branches of government, the, the Supreme Court, had information leaked. The most sacred body in the United States, the Supreme Court, had information leaked that was obviously one side, very partisan, that was specifically leaked for a very specific purpose. That was an attack on the highest union. And then 
And then, not to be outdone, California, then um, they were mad because the Supreme Court had also overturned some gun rights laws. And the the California governor and the head, the head of the Justice Department said um, that we are going to come back and fight against this with everything that we have. And then a week later, oops, uh, we just leaked all the names of all our concealed permit. Like, so not only the Supreme Court and then the Department of Justice in California just, oh, accidentally leaked it after they vowed to get vengeance. Like, those are the highest level. Like, if we can't trust the, the courts and the Justice Department, what does that say about trust? Yeah, unfortunately, these are examples of a continuing trend that we're all experiencing in America. And I think it's actually like the scariest part of it to me is that it's totally bipartisan. Uh, the kind of things that trouble someone like me, like violating the rule of law and some of these slippery slope examples with things like financial crimes. Uh, these are the things that seem to be happening on both sides. And the result is what we're seeing today, which is that people increasingly don't trust their government and then by extension don't trust each other. Mm. So it's cyclical. I, I like how you frame that up. I hadn't really thought about it like that. And the problem is that we have human nature that's always involved. And so that's kind of like to your point, right? Uh, it's the same reason why, in my opinion, we can't have humans controlling money. No one should control money. Um, and so back to trust. So gold had been money for 5,000 years. Um, they said, hey, gold doesn't have enough velocity. We can't move it fast enough. So if we put the gold into the bank, um, we'll issue debt on top of it. So you have a paper gold certificate, an IOU. And we'll hold the gold, you have the IOUs, and then whatever you want, you can just redeem them. And so people trusted that. But then they printed too many of those paper gold certificates. And so by 1933, the government owed more gold than they had. So they said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll just seize all the gold. So they seized all the gold. And then after they seized it all, then they revalued it. So not only did they seize your gold, then they stole your wealth. So that was a big blow to trust, but somehow people still trusted. I don't know how. Um, and then 1971 comes along and they say, oh, uh, now we're just going to default to the whole world on the gold that we owed. Uh, I guess, you know, our bad. Uh, like, like it seems like death, uh, the death of trust has been coming, 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 coming. Do you think at some point, like it's cyclical? Like where does it like um, come to a head at some point? You could argue it comes to a head with the inflation that we're starting to see in almost every country in the world now. And part of the reason why is, um, by the way, excellent history of, money there that's chapter one of my book um when you tether your currency from any form of discipline like having it be backed by something it could be gold could be anything could be bitcoin um then you end up in situations with every subsequent crisis where the central bank is like oh well you know we can fix this by just printing a trillion dollars but then the next time right. around you need two trillion and then the next time around you need eight trillion and then you also have people in um, politics saying, oh, well, if we're printing all this money, here's a list of causes that are near and dear in my heart. Can you please print money yeah. to fix them? Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to keep chasing this thread with you a little bit because um, in my opinion, as we, I kind of both just agreed to, it's, it's humans. It's just human nature. And um, uh, pe centralization leads to manipulation. That's something I like to say. And so the more power and control you give me, the more I'm just going to probably start trying to manipulate that a little bit uh, to my favor, of course. But then, so at some point, it seems like there may, must come to a head if it's cyclical, and then it starts over again. So I want to chase that through with you a little bit when we get back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the 
decentralized revolution, the way the pendulum is swinging from centralization to decentralization, looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I'm in the studio with Omid Malikan, the author of Re-Architecting Trust. We got a lot more to cover when we come back. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Of course, technology being that big piece, which... I'm in the studio talking with Omed Malikan, the author of Rearchitecting Trust, and I think we're going to come back and pin technology on fixing this, but let's see where we go with this. So, Omed, um, you're, you said how trust is cyclical, and I hadn't really thought about it like that before, so this is kind of new. I'm thinking through this as we're talking, and, and I can understand how you're saying the more we give trust to somebody, the more it gets uh, violated or manipulated, and then at some point it breaks, and then I guess it starts over again. So um, I don't trust my business partner anymore. I probably will never trust him again, but maybe at some point I'll go get a new business partner, and I'll trust them, right? But then, like, um, you know, I won't trust my wife again if she cheats on me, but I'll probably get married again at some point, right? Uh, maybe that's how it starts. Um, but then if I think about it, like, there's a lot of nations, most of the nations in this world who don't have a good rule of law, we're, we're about, we're kind of in that bin today, but um, these nations don't seem to restart. Like trust never gets reestablished in China or Iran or Lebanon. So how do you see that cyclicality kind of playing out in the environment that we're in? If you go back historically long enough, then you could argue that even in those countries, like there were times where they were the high trust societies and say like the West was not. Um, and one of the interesting things, since we were talking about in the previous segment, 
technological revolutions, the one thing that does always trend in one direction are the interesting ways that people built and invent new technologies to become better at building trust. So even in the examples that you gave, like with your business partner, um, one example of a technology that will hopefully help you regain trust with a future business partner is a contract. Right? Contracts to me were a technological innovation um, invented to solve the problem of trust. Right. And you know, in, in ancient times, they had this problem of like, how do we even know if the thing is authentic? So they would do in the Middle Ages this crazy thing where they would write two copies of the contract on the same piece of paper and then they just tear it in half. Mm. And each party would get one half. And when they got together in the future, if the teeth lined up, then it was an official contract. It wasn't a forgery. And that, by the way, is the word where the word indenture comes from, from the Latin for dente mm. or teeth. So people have been doing this forever, basically. And um, to me, a simple way to understand blockchain and crypto is the latest technological innovation in order to achieve trust, particularly in a digital and global setting. Hmm. I like that answer. And that's, that's, that's exactly the way that I see it. It's, and, and that's kind of what I said at my, uh, I was talking about my, my talk at Bitcoin, at the Bitcoin conference. And I said, um, it's almost like we need a decentralized ledger that nobody can control because as long as somebody controls the ledger, and that's really what it comes down to back to the gold example that we had. Um, when I put my gold in the bank and the bank gave me a paper gold certificate, they had the ledger. Who had you know who who has the gold and who has the IOUs, and so whoever controls the ledger or the database, then that's who we're trusting. And so as long as Facebook has my data, I'm trusting them not to manipulate my data. But of course, we can't trust them. They've been proven to sell my data. Uh, as long as Wells Fargo has my banking records, I trust them not to do stuff. But they paid the largest fine in history because they added a bunch of fake bank accounts, right? Um, so like we continue to lose trust in all these institutions. And so how do we gain trust again? We need a new relationship and probably with a new piece of technology that fixes that problem which is back to the question I posed to the audience at the Bitcoin conference, which is it's sort of like we need that decentralized ledger. So if we have a ledger that nobody can control, um, then we could have trust, or as in Bitcoin, we say it's trustless. I don't have to trust. I can verify. And you trust the outcome. Right. Right? You don't have to trust any other party that's part of the system, but you just trust that your coins are yours and yours only to do something with. And if you decide to send some to a friend, no one can interfere with that transaction. Yeah. Now you've, you've, uh, you know, I, I keep talking about Bitcoin, you keep talking about crypto. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I'm just curious to, to your answer. You would agree that if somebody, if somebody could change the ledger, then it's not a trustless technology. It would only be trustless if nobody could control the ledger. Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I, I put out a tweet this morning or uh, maybe I started writing and I forgot, but um, it was something to the effect of uh, what we need is like a trustless technology, but what we got is a bunch of uh, dog coins and memes or whatever, right? But it's like the real <laughs> the real revolution to me is decentralization. That's the revolution. So we've only we've only had centralized controls of ledgers, and the real revolution is now we have this decentralized technology that can have a ledger that nobody can control. So if we have a ledger that somebody can control, that's not really revolutionary in my opinion. So would you agree with that? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's all types of technologies and they're all cool. And like, I mean, if you can put a dog on a 
on a meme or whatever, like that's cool, but it's just not a revolution. The revolution is the decentralization, and that's what the world needs. We need a way to regain trust again because we need to have global trade, right? With global trade is uh, is is what allows us to have ideation and and progress. Uh, but if we can't trust each other, I'm afraid. I did a I did a talk called um, de-evolution re-evolution. And so as the world has evolved through global trade, um, now it's going to de-evolve because now we're going to go back into these small island nations. We can't trust each other. But then we can re-evolve if we can have a decentralized ledger like Bitcoin that we can trust. So I think I think it's inevitable. Um, the more that I talk about it with someone like you, the more I think it's inevitable um, that we have that. I mean, there's just no other way that the world can move forward at this point, it seems like. I agree. And, and the more... Um, trust is lost in the traditional ways of doing things, then I think the greater the opening for something like Bitcoin and, and the other applications of the technology. I'm not, to me, the, the battle here, uh, the battle in the world of ideas isn't really like between Bitcoin and DAO coins, even though I've, I've never owned a DAO coin. I'm not really interested in DAO coins. Um, to me, though, I, I feel like in crypto, we fall into this trap where we fought, fight a lot of these civil wars amongst ourselves. But really, it's a relatively small community um, going up against everybody else. And the applications start first and foremost with what Bitcoin represents, which to me is censorship resistant and um, apolitical, algorithmically minted money. I think that is a magnificent, magnificent accomplishment in the having studied the history of money. But then there are a lot of other applications like DeFi, because like you said, you know, what is a bank? A bank is just a bunch of ledgers, but they are not transparent ledgers. They are not auditable ledgers, not by me and you anyway. Um, they are not censorship resistant ledgers. In fact, the entire financial system is built on active censorship and discrimination. So to me, um, when you start with Bitcoin, it's almost inevitable that then you get to be like, well, why don't we use the same idea to evolve not just money, but then something like banking. Well, I think I think the reason why is because back to the, the word of the day, which is trust. I would encourage everybody on this that's listening to this right now. Um, I talk a lot about investing topics. <laughs> don't ever loan money or invest money into somebody that you don't know and you don't know if they have the ability to pay you back. Don't ever do that. You need to know who that person is. You must have done your due diligence and you have to have enough information where you trust that they'll pay you that money back. And so when I got a house loan, I needed someone to look at my credit worthiness and determine if I can pay that money back and give me a rate. Yours maybe isn't as good or yours is better, so they give you a better rate and that's okay. But uh, somebody has to decide that. And the problem that I have with DeFi is like, now I'm going to... Uh, like I'm going to give money to somebody who I don't know and I don't know what the credit worthiness and I don't have any trust there. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, that's, that's a big topic I want to dig into. We don't have enough time before the break. Uh, but it's an interesting conversation that I love. I mean, like I said, this is a key word that I use, trust. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we talk about each and every week the decentralized revolution, the way the world is moving from centralization to decentralization. Uh, with the new technology that we have. I'm in the studio with Omad Malikhan. You can find him on Twitter at Malik Malikhanams. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes down below. He's the author of a book called Re-Architecting Trust. You should check it out. And he's an adjunct professor at Columbia Biz Business School. We're going to be back uh, talking about DeFi and trust and technology and more in a minute. You don't want to miss the conclusion of this. Uh, so don't go away. We're going to be right back. 
Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Ma Show. Of course, we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week. I'm in the studio with Omid Malikan. You can find him on Twitter at Malikan. Ohms. We'll link to that in the show note below. He's the author of a book called Re-Architecting Trust, which is a really cool book you should check out, talking about the, the, the cyclicality, cyclicality of trust um, and looking at through the lens of the financial system, which is pretty cool. He's an adjunct professor at Columbia Business School. Now, Omid, uh, before the break, I kind of cut you off. I would posed a question and then cut it off. So I'll just re-ask the question again, which is... Um, when it comes to money and, and business and all these things, we need trust. And so um, DeFi, to me, um, at least in the current state we have today, doesn't really seem very practical, maybe almost sort of a scam, um, not using that word lightly, but when I think it's one thing, but I get something different back. And so um, DeFi, this decentralized finance, I'm putting money in these protocols, but I don't know who's getting them. I don't know what the risk level is. And so it seems to actually work against trust. I would only want to invest into somebody's business or loan them money to buy something if I had trust with them because I've done due diligence, I knew them, et cetera. So how do you reconcile those two things? Well, do you have a bank account? Yep. Okay, so when you have a bank account, you are lending money to a whole bunch of other people that you don't know. Just, well, I'm not really because, um, one, that's not really how the bank works anymore. In the old fractional reserve system, it did. But um, I have insurance against all the money in my bank account. So if they, if they did something and lost my money, I have insurance on that money. Yeah, the, the lack of FDIC insurance is a, I think that's a valid complaint against DeFi. However, I think it's interesting to ponder the social and economic consequences of things like FDIC insurance. 
particularly when it comes to banks doing stupid things with people's money because people don't care anymore. But nevertheless, the, the problem that you spelled out is it's always been a problem, right? Like there are people who want to lend and there are people who want to borrow. That's just the state of humanity. And if they only limited themselves to those who they strictly knew, then there would just be a lot less credit in the economy. So historically, what we've done is we put a bank in the middle. Uh, there are different models of banking, but one of the roles that the bank plays is to solve this problem of a coincidence of want and trust, right? Like me and a borrower have to want to borrow and lend at the same time and trust at the same time. A bank solves that problem, which I think is actually an important thing for the economy. There would be a lot less economic growth if we had a lot less credit. The problem is the state of banking as it's been for centuries, which is that one, it's completely opaque. I don't know what's happening inside a bank. You know, there have been Things that happen when it turns out nobody knew, even the CEO didn't know what was happening inside the bank. And two, a lot of what should be a automated transaction is still left up to someone's discretion, right? So it's something like, hey, if somebody is buying a house worth $500,000, don't lend them a million dollars, only lend them up to 80% of that, for example. Um, so the reason why I think DeFi is important from a trust building perspective, particularly when it comes to financial services, is that it takes the flaws of the banking system as we have it and address it with the same kind of features that make something like Bitcoin special, mainly transparency, consensus, yeah. automation. I, I just don't, I don't, in, in that example that you've given, though, I don't know if um, I, I, like it, it's still going to require some it's, it's more of like a CFI model, which was kind of like the Celsius kind of BlockFi model in a sense where they do automate a lot of stuff supposedly, but like somebody was still kind of going behind the scenes. Now, if they had more transparency, uh, maybe it wouldn't have ended so badly for them. Um, but in that, in that example, if somebody wants to loan a house, uh, buy a house, get a loan for a house, um, how do we know that house is um, valued at 500,000 and not a million to your point? So then we have to use an Oracle. So an Oracle has to be tied in with a local yep. agent. So then now I'm trusting that yes. local agent to be that Oracle. So that's a central entity. It's not, it's not truly decentralized because it's now not. there's a central person that's making that decision. So it's kind of like a, we're using software to offload a bunch of stuff and automate a lot of things, which gives us efficiencies and hopefully gives us greater returns. But it's not truly decentralized because somebody's there making those decisions and inputting that data, right? Yeah. As I always tell my students, to me, decentralization is not binary. It is a spectrum. And there are things that are very decentralized. Like I consider Bitcoin very decentralized right now, which is part of its charm and appeal. Um, but then decentralization also has its limitations as far as adopting something, upgrading it, evolving it over time. Um, mm -hmm, so for sure. most other crypto applications do involve trade-offs from the pure decentralization model. But to me, again, that's not the most important comparison. The most important comparison is what do I trust more, a properly designed DeFi protocol or a bank? And the answer is the DeFi protocol, which, yeah. by the way, I, th I think in the future, there's already a bank in Philadelphia that's sourcing wholesale funding from a DeFi protocol. So I think in the future, it's going to be a sort of a conversion of the two and not necessarily a replacement. Yeah, I would I would agree on that. I mean, obviously, to your point, the 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 solving the 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 need and wants. Uh, we have you know peer to peer lending markets, for example, and and those have grown really big, and and those serve a good need. Um, you know, somebody is um, using technology to kind of compress and automate that. There's greater returns, and so. Um, there's some efficiencies there. I, I guess for me, I would just say not everything needs to be decentralized. 
I just, I that's agree how with that I feel too. like not everything needs to be decentralized. Um, one thing that does is money <laughs> because, uh, if we, if we give it to somebody to control, we know to your point, trust is cyclical. And so if, if someone has control over money, we've been, we found out through millennia that they're always going to try to distort that in some way, whether that's clipping coins or that's uh, issuing more paper certificates on top of it or whatever it may be. So one thing that does need to be decentralized is money for sure. Um, Back to kind of what we we started talking about, um, some of these communication protocols like that might might need to be as well, kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mon- money is communication, right? So money communicates our wants and our needs and our desires, right? So money is communication. So that's where like this whole tornado cash going back to where we started, it gets so messy. And again, understand that technology is going to become so much bigger than we understand it. Um, they're really sense they, they can say they're not, but they're censoring communication. And, and I believe that the Supreme Court has already upheld that three or four times. I'm not a legal expert. I hope they have. But I like the idea very much that yeah. money money is a form of personal expression, um, which here in the West, we really treasure. So it's funny to me that increasingly in the financial domain, um, because of all of these different laws that are supposedly designed to catch crooks, they keep limiting every individual's right to personal expression with their money. Yeah, exactly. I was just trying to look that up. I know I covered that before. I believe it was three or four different court cases where it's already been challenged and the courts held that up. You know, uh, code is speech, code is communication, money is communication. I had it up here, but I can't, I can't seem to find it real quickly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be interesting. But again, back to kind of where we started too, and then being able to actually censor a public good. So now again, back to the highway. Should well, it looks like more criminals use this highway um, than other highways. So we should censor that highway and just the the precedence that it sets. So, in your opinion, I guess to kind of put a bow in this, we got to kind of wrap it up here. Um, it's cyclical, and typically it's some sort of technology that then brings the trust back. I couldn't trust my um, handshaking deal before, so now we have the technology of a contract. So now I'll trust again using that piece until that piece fails me, and then we'll have to come up with something new. And you think that is uh, Bitcoin blockchain, um, and that's how we'll get trust. And, and if, am I summing that up right? Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Well, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. And, 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 and the more that we see it, I mean, there's the more inevitable it gets to me, right? It's like, how do we, how, how do we go forward without it? Like, I just, I don't understand that. We can go back to the dark ages, but that nobody wants that either. Um, awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, everyone check out the book Rearchitecting Trust. That's been, that's uh, the author is my guest, Omed Malikon. You can find him on Twitter at Malikon Ohms. He's uh, the author of that book, Rearchitecting Trust, the adjunct professor at Columbia Biz. He's been talking a lot about the need for trust, and I agree. It is something really, really big that we all need to be aware of. And, uh, man, like I said, the more I think about it, the more inevitable it seems to be. Um, We need a decentralized ledger nobody controls. That's what I got for you today. Thanks so much for listening to The Mark Moss Show. I appreciate it. Hit us up on social media. Let us know you heard this issue. And that's what I got. Until next time. 
let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.